Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Colours of COVID, the Alchemy Art series set up in response to the COVID-19 pandemic and its impact on mental health. Today, we are delighted to be joined by Zulfikar Khan, CEO of Great Healthcare and the first survivor of COVID-19 in the Midlands. Now, this is a deeply personal but powerful episode and a topic that will no doubt bring back some really difficult memories. When I first met up with Zulfikar after his recovery a few weeks ago and saw him doing so well, we spoke about how important it was to share his story. Zulfikar, thank you so much for joining us. It's truly uh, appreciated. And furthermore, congratulations on being the first ever guest on the brand new series. Can I thank you, Adil? Um, it's a pleasure to be on the show with yourself. Now, make no mistake, COVID-19 is no myth. The aim of this podcast is not to sensationalize Zulfikar's story, but rather to make people realize just how real the virus is. Zulfikar is one of the lucky people who fought the virus and came out on the other side. But for thousands of other families, lives have been lost. We'll be speaking to Zulfikar to find out about how life has changed in the blink of an eye and how he is now coping with the new normal. Zulfikar, you know, where do we begin with, with a topic like this? I think the first thing to, to cover is, um, uh, I guess the main thing is, how are you feeling and how is the recovery going? MashaAllah, Allah Ta'ala Ta has given me a second life. Uh, I'm very lucky um, that I've recovered very well. Um, also, I've been strong through it. And um, it's taken a lot of time. It's taken about three or four months where I've got to. But when I came out of hospital, I was very weak. And uh, I've recovered very, very well. And normality has just started. Fantastic. And you know what? That's, that's glad to hear. We were all, um, you know, just for the viewers, um, um, we've known Zulf, I've known Zulfikar for over, over a year and a half now. And uh, we were all, as a group of friends, we were, we were really worried about you. So it's, it's really good to, to see you doing uh, so well. Zulfi, just take us back to, you know, when did you first realize that something was wrong and um, what did you do? What would happen was that um, end of uh, February, I attended London and London had um, a huge cases of uh, Corona starting in end of uh, February. You remember I attended the uh, British Muslim uh, Conservative, uh, there was a, a meeting in London. Same day, there was a Kashmir meeting. And on the same day, British Council had a meeting in Parliament. So those three events I attended end of February. But it took a while. So first week of um, March, I started to have symptoms. I was feeling cold, flu, uh, weak all the symptoms were showing and then i attended queen elizabeth hospital with those symptoms and that was first week of march they did a swab test they said i was fine but they sent me with antibiotics to take home and take them for several days and see if i could get better so that's when my journey started with uh, coronavirus and i was a whole day um, in uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, Hospital uh, for the whole day. And in the evening, they sent me home with some antibiotics. That's when the journey actually started. 
I remember the day quite well because it was a chance for our group, you know, the, the Pakistani diaspora group that we're part of to meet up. Um, and, and it's always an exciting time to, to go there. And I remember we had uh, an event with the, the British Pakistani Forum. We had a, an event at the House of Commons. And then we had an event with Common Purpose as well. So it was a really busy day. Um, and so the shock of, uh, of knowing that you kind of got ill was, uh, was really, really massive because we'd only seen you, you know, uh, a week beforehand. Um, I suppose the next question is really about um, the scariest part of being admitted into, in, into hospital. You said that you went to hospital for checkups and then you, you came back home. Walk us through the journey then from there. Like what happened after that once you came home? After I took the antibiotic at um, 11 o'clock in the morning, I called the ambulance. They came to my house and the ambulance said, keep taking the antibiotics, you'll be fine. About half seven at night, I had to call the ambulance again because I stopped breathing. My oxygen level went below 88. Then the ambulance said, pack your bags, let's go, you'll be admitted. I had my bags packed. They told my family that nobody can come, but I will be taken to Sandwell City Hospital. When I arrived to the hospital, they were expecting me. They were building the rooms extra. So I was built, moved into a sort of a builder's yard. Then I was there for four or five hours. This was about eight o'clock, I was taken in. About one o'clock, they gave me a room and, and a bed to be put in a ward. So I was put in a ward uh, in the hospital. Nine o'clock in the morning, three doctors arrived and they said, are you Zofika Khan? I said, yes. And then they said to me, Mr. Khan, you have two options. Either you die on this bed or we might have some chance of survival. We have to put you on a ventilator. Soon as I agreed to go on the ventilator, they then said, you need to ring your wife. I said, no, it's okay. They said, grab the phone off me and said, ring your wife. I rang my wife. They explained to my wife the procedure. They would be too late for you to come in. We are going to take Mr. Khan to a ventilator and put him on the, uh, on the machine. Then my actual bed moved faster than the Virgin train. Uh, I was taken down to a theater room, which was basically not a theater room. It was, they were preparing. Basically, there's a lot of old beds around, and it was like a storeroom downstairs in the cellar. So there was a major doctors. One doctor was the senior doctor, and there was about 10 doctors waiting. And then he said, can two doctors come forward and close the door? So there were three doctors that I could remember. And then I was put on the ventilator. This is the interesting part of the deal where people are talking about the injection. They said they will give me an injection, which is a lethal injection, which actually knocks you into coma. That is the injection. A lot of people don't recover if they don't have strong immunity. That injection within minutes puts you into coma. So the doctor said to me, Good luck, Mr. Khan. I'm about to give you an injection that will put you to coma. I read my kalma. I made my duas beforehand as well. And then I said to Allah Ta'ala, Subhanahu Ta'ala, that is in, I'm in your hands. Whatever is written, is going to be written. So then the guy gave me an injection, which then put me in coma for 12 days. Wow. 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 Uh, um, Sufi, you know what? I'm just going to uh, stop you there because it's... Um... I want to I want to talk about the, these things. So that situation, I I think this is really important for our for our viewers and our listeners to understand that it went it escalated so fast 
to the point where you were you were given antibiotics, and the night that you were from the hospital straight into the um, uh, the hospital, sorry, from home into the hospital, um, it escalated so fast to the point where the doctor said to you and gave you a choice: uh, you've got a fifty-fifty chance of survival, and the option was a coma or you die on the ward, right? Yeah, the chances are much less than 50 when you go on a ventilator because if you have other issues like diabetes and other health issues, then your chances get lower than 50. So I'm diabetic when I went in on a ventilator. So my chances realistically were lower than 50%. Wow. And you're saying about your oxygen levels uh, dropped below. When they put you into the, uh, on, on the ventilator and put you into the coma, what... What level was your oxygen level at and how dangerous is that? Um, I don't remember anything on the ventilator apart from my dreams, which I discussed with you. But yeah. my wife said on the eighth days, she had a conversation with the doctors. It was touch and go. My oxygen dropped to 30, which is very, very low, 30%. And not a lot of people survive from that oxygen low. The doctors wanted to put two pipes down my uh, chest into the oxygen to bring back the cooling the chains, which is a very tricky operation. And they said that they've got to do this operation in emergency. The doctor said when they were about to do that, my oxygen started to recover miraculously. And they said it was a miracle I survived. They do not know how it came back. So I think wow. only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted me to live. Uh, absolutely. I, I remember the, the situation really well because um, we're on a group together, on a WhatsApp group together, and the messages were going, and we got told that uh, Zulfi's not well. Uh, and, and there's about 30 of us on the group, and we were talking to each other, saying, what's going on? Uh, Zulfi, how are you doing? And we weren't getting any response. Um, and, yeah, you know, 12 days in the coma. Uh, I know for a, for, for a fact that there was a lot of people praying, there was a lot of people uh, sending messages of goodwill. I saw pictures on, on Facebook saying, you know what, a, a really huge part of the community is not well, so to pray for him. Um, so I, I'm sure you know about that as well, that there was a lot of people rooting for you. I got to thank everybody, and I've got this opportunity. Can I thank everybody? Over 100,000 people prayed on Facebook uh, for me, and there's much more that don't have Facebook. And can I say a big thank you for everybody that was praying for me, even people that I didn't know um, were praying for me because I was very, very critical. I was probably one of the first person who was critical from the Muslim background. Definitely, and, and I'm sure uh, you know, people will appreciate, appreciate that as well. Um, Zulfi, the, the situation, I mean, going forward, we've, when we met up in Birmingham a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about this uh, and it was really personal. So I don't want to go, I don't want to dig too deep into that, but I know uh, about the experiences and the visions and the dreams that you had during, during, your, uh, during the coma when you were, when you were in, on the ventilator. I mean, if you want to say a few words about that, that's fair enough. But if you don't, we totally understand and we can, we can move on to, to the next few questions. But is there anything that you want to say about that experience of 12 days? I'll just say to people, when people don't believe what punishment you are going to get in your grave, those 12 days weren't good for me. And that's the least I would say. There is what they say that's going to happen to you after life. It is a reality and I've seen some of it.
Yeah, well, well, thank you so much, man. And, and you know what? Knowing the fact that, you know, when, when I spoke to you earlier and even when we, the group of our friends, when we, when we were talking and listening to your story, the details are obviously really personal. And, uh, you know, I thank you for, sh for sharing that, them. But um, I can understand as well that, you know, it, it can bring back a lot of, uh, lot of scary, scary memories. Just moving on, Zulfi, I want to go uh, from, the, from the darker days onto, you know, you coming out of the coma and seeing your family for the first time. What was that like and uh, what do you remember about that situation? Well, let me go before that one stage. When you come out of coma, and I want people to know this because it's a very interesting part. When I came out of coma and I first time tried to stand up and thinking I'm going to go to the toilet, what happened? I dropped on my bed. I had no energy. I was very weak. I lost a lot of weight. And the first instant you believe that you're disabled for life and you think, oh gosh, I can't even go to the toilet. What am I going to do for the rest of my life? Um, am I going to be disabled? Because you don't know any better. I am very weak. Is there a point of me even living now? Because I've come from a very exciting life. And now yeah. where I am, it is the lowest level of my life. And you'd think you'll never recover. And mashallah, I turned to Allah, and I started, because I had my phone, I started listening to prayers, make du'as on YouTube, and I started to ask for forgiveness. And to be honest with you, I'm quite strong. And I said, whatever is written is going to happen, but let's see if I could come out of all this. Anybody who has COVID-19 or has symptoms, what gave me strength when I came out, I couldn't eat or drink because your mouth tastes like steel, whatever you eat, and you can't swallow, you can't eat. Zumzum water helped me through my journey. Empty stomach, first thing I only could drink was Zumzum water. And the only thing I could eat was Ajwa Khajur. And those brought my taste back and eating. And now I have told a lot of people to do that. And whoever had COVID-19 have uh, come out of me after three, four days. Wow. Wow. That's, that, that's amazing to, to, to hear. Um, so you said about, you know, your experience of, of waking up and the first reaction was about, um, you know, feeling uh, loss and uh, that your way of life will change and everything like this. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, the first time you remember seeing your family. And I, remember, I know you've got uh, children and especially your little boy. Um, how, how was that and what was that like? To be honest with you, <laughs> I couldn't see my family for another three weeks. I was in hospital for a couple oh, of wow. weeks. And no one was allowed to see me because under COVID-19, no one can see you. What was available was my phone. So we had a phone conference and I wasn't looking good. Believe me, when you come out of a ventilator, you're a scary feature. So reality, I spoke to the phones without, um, with my family without showing my face. But my wife, I spoke to face to face. For my children, it was text messaging and this and that, um, speaking to them. Because it wasn't a good view to see. Because what they saw me and what I came out of the ventilator was two different people. And I was unrecognizable. Yeah, I, I remember some of the pictures that, uh, that, that you sent. Um, and it was it was it was a complete surprise from from the person that you that we know um, and to the person that that, that we saw um, from there. Um, so I, I suppose. Um, Adil, 
When I went yeah. to hospital, I was 125 kg. When within 12 days, I lost 25 kg. So you could imagine uh, what I went through. And your, my, they couldn't control my diabetes, sugar levels. They couldn't control my oxygen. So I was all over the place on those 12 days. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that we, you know, the scary thing was is that, you know, the people who have underlying health conditions very rarely survive this, especially we don't know anything that much about uh, the, the disease because it's new and things like this. But what we're told is people with underlying health conditions, uh, with diabetes, with heart conditions and things like this, they just don't survive, very low chance. But the fact that, you know, that you overcame all that and through that is, a, you know, alhamdulillah, for, for someone who's, People who have faith or people who have no faith, it is a miracle that, that, that you survived this. It's true. Look, it was a miracle. When I went back to the hospital, after a couple of days I came out because I had some blood come out of my throat, the doctor that worked on me and he said, nice to see you. I'll be honest with you, you are a miracle that you're here. We did our best, but it was a miracle to see you, how you survived. You know uh, what, what really kind of scared me is when you were talking about the last words you remember hearing uh, from the doctor when you gave me that injection. Um, what was that? Could you just tell us that again? Uh, the last words that you heard the doctor say? Said, um, I'll do my best, but good luck to you. I could only try my best, but that's the only thing I could do. Wow. Marshall, you know, and, that, and that's scary when you hear that and then you you drift away. Zulfi, so just got a couple of more questions before we go. Yeah. Um, so you've been through the process of uh, and experienced the virus firsthand. What would you say to those people, especially for our Pakistani community, South Asian community and the BAME community, um, who still believe that COVID-19 is a myth uh, and that it isn't anything to worry about? What can we say to them? Uh, brothers and sisters, COVID-19 is a serious disease. You need to take it seriously, follow the government guidelines, don't have more than few people in your house, keep your distance, keep sanitizer, keep your mask. Believe me, it is not what you want because the last choice the hospital got is to put you on a ventilator. And if you go on a ventilator, your chance of survival is very minimum. But if you don't go on a ventilator, it's not a good place to be because it's a serious disease that's out there that will harm you and you'll pass it on to your family and someone in the family could have underlying issues and that might not be around to see. That's how serious it is. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Really powerful words, Zulfi. You know, really powerful words. And yeah, I mean, just finally going um, to finish off, I mean, how has, um, how has your perspective on life changed uh, and after such a uh, surreal, scary experience, how has your uh, perspective on life and how has your lifestyle uh, changed since you overcame the virus? To be honest with you, before I wanted to rule the world, I wanted to think about capitalism, growing, working my sector, make changes. Now, to be honest with you, I'm not there for the capitalism. I more want to do things for the right purpose. I think twice before I do anything, I don't jump into things like before I would take risks. That's not there for me anymore. Now I think twice why I'm doing it, what's the common purpose, what's the reason, and what the outcomes will be beneficiary to others 
as well as obviously I'm gonna put food on my table. Yeah, and you know why, why it makes me smile is because Zulfi, uh, the way we know you, you're a go-getter and uh, it's very much about business and everything like this. And so that was, it's one of your endearing qualities and something that inspires young business people as well. And so, you know, I, I love that quality about you, but you're saying that it, it, your perspective is slightly changed now, yeah? I'll give you an example. The kickstart scheme is about to happen and I've applied to help 30 young people. Before I came on this interview, sorry I was late because I was interviewing a young person who's done his degree in accountancy but can't find a job. So now I'm going to take 30 young people and I'm willing to give them an opportunity, a chance about reality of business. I'm going to share my 30 years of experience with those 30 people and hope they will make a good life in the future and keep those uh, visions I've had for 30 years going. Zulfi, um, just, just to say thank you so much uh, for sharing your story. I know for a fact that it's going to be so powerful for our families and our people listening um, to this as well and, and wider as well. Uh, and, and the fact that you shared such a personal story, I don't think we're hearing those stories enough in the media. Uh, so thank you so much for giving your time and sharing your stories with me. Can I say thank you for everybody who did pray for me or heard about me or, you know, but one thing, please, please, it is a reality. It is not a joke. Uh, don't take it lightly. Be careful because in our community, we have our fathers, mothers who are elder and a lot of other people suffering from underlying conditions. So for them, not even for ourselves, be careful and follow government guidelines. Okay, so we hope you enjoyed hearing the thoughts of Zulfikar in this first ever episode of Colours of COVID. We've covered some very important topics and if we've educated or changed the mindset of even one or, or two people, it's been thoroughly worthwhile. Don't forget to share this around. You can find us on the usual platforms like Spotify, YouTube, and even on our website. All that's left to be said is uh, thank you, take care, and God bless.